What is going on guys? Alex with Hidden Falls Media Experience here and I am joined by the one and only Jim Riley. Jim, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Alex? Dude, I'm super grateful that you're on here. Super excited for this conversation. Whether you're just starting out in business, you've been in business for a long time and looking to switch to and just get different marketing perspectives and business ideas, Jim is your guy for this. And I really want to dive in deep and really get and squeeze as much of his awesome, awesome knowledge as we can and try to help you guys throughout this entrepreneurship journey through this really crazy time of 2020. Jim, thank you again for being here. Uh, why don't we start off with telling the origin story? How did you get from you know, the little kid growing up to all the way where you are today uh, and what that process of running businesses, selling parts of businesses, what does that look like for you in that process? Yeah, I appreciate the question. Happy to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, we share a common network, which I'm proud to be a part of with Andy Fasella and, and Ed Milet. Um, You know, in, in brief, because uh, because the time I'm, I'm a talker, uh, you know, when I was young, talking about 12, 13 years old, I started out working at that age. I was a young entrepreneur. My grandfather had a restaurant in Newport Beach, California, and I worked for him for cash uh, for a couple of years, running his little restaurants on the beach. And trust me, I'm not complaining about that. It was a great place to be. Um, exciting times and to make at the time, this was in the early eighties to make five bucks an hour cash was pretty good money. So I, I learned very quickly, uh, customer service, how to interact with people, how to make money, how to save money. And then the benefits of having that money, uh, again, at an early age between 12 and, and 15 and a half, when, uh, when I finally became of what would have been legal working age, a traditional job. I started working for In-N-Out Burger, and if you're a West Coaster, you'll know what In-N-Out Burger is. My brother, uh, over the years, has been just about every position, including the CEO, CEO, president, and uh, trustee of the company. So a little bit of a family business there. I spent 12 years working with In-N-Out Burger, learning a lot more about customer service, speed of service. But I would say some of the foundational elements of my business career that I had not uh, thought of at the time, and what those elements are is putting out a quality product and the importance of doing that, being consistent within that product and delivering it 100% of the time, accepting nothing less than that, as well as building a team of people. If you've got a chance to experience an in-out murder, you realize there's something special about those employees. And those employees are trained to be top of their class in the uh, quick service food industry. Uh, whether it's from the service itself, the cleanliness of the restaurants, the quality of the food, uh, you know, all of the above. And I developed a foundation element there by doing those things that have lasted me my entirety of all the things that I've done. And I wound up spending 12 years at In-N-Out. Uh, at one point, the highlight of my career was the first store manager to sell over, uh, over a million of hamburgers in one year. So wow. I tried to get that out. Um, which, you know, that's almost a regular occurrence over there now, but we developed some great systems in how to do that. And I was very proud of my years of being at In-N-Out, but it was very limiting. If you know their menu, they only have a couple items. I made a ton of money. Uh, it was one of the best salary careers out of my life. Again, if you know much about In-N-Out, the average manager makes over $200,000 a year, and uh, they're typically in their mid-30s. So uh, it's an incredible job for me. I left there at 28. I went on to the ski industry and, and became a food and beverage director in South Lake Tahoe, a place called Sierra Ski Resort. Uh, simultaneously, because of my position there, I held a Saturday morning 
TV show uh, position, talking about food and beverage at the ski resort, making food on, live on TV. I did that for two years at eight o'clock every Saturday, uh, cool. which also uh, garnered me a newspaper article bi-weekly in the local papers. And, you know, speaking of marketing, I, I learned about the strength of, you know, community and getting the word out and getting your own personal message out and really being um, in the public eye. Uh, it's one thing to be running a resort, uh, all the food and beverage restaurants, which we had nine at the time, and we'd see anywhere between 2,000 to 6,000 skiers a day. So you're in front of that many people, but then to parlay that into TV and then into a newspaper article with your right. picture, um, I learned a lot about being in front of people and having kind of that public appearance. And, and it taught me how to uh, be respectful of who I am and how I uh, handle myself and also the strength and power of media. And as far as my story goes, uh, where, where that leads one thing to the next, I wound up leaving Tahoe four years later. Please keep in mind on the TV show, the local television show, it's Pax Cable. Uh, it went from Sacramento to Reno, which it's a pretty decent area, but it wasn't like there was a million uh, viewers. Went down to Southern California, back to my roots in Newport Beach and met the president and the owner, two separate people of Kettle One Vodka. And uh, we hit it off. I tell the story of how I met them. We were at a fundraiser for the Pacific Symphony, which was a black tie affair. We're all drinking apple martinis because that's what Kettle One was promoting. And uh, the president looks at me and says, Jim, really like your style. You think you want a job? And I said, Bill, we're all in black and white tuxedos drinking the same drink. Of course you like my style. <laughs> we look the same, we're doing the same. <laughs> But um, you know what was interesting about this, and I think this is a good learning lesson and marketing lesson for our entrepreneurs, is that uh, Bill picked up on my TV background. And he mm -hmm. said, Jim, we really want to promote our brand in the Hollywood segment and, and get along with celebrities and the like and all those things, because it seems like you're the right person for the job. And I tried to convince him that PAX TV was not Hollywood, but he wasn't going to have any of that. And you know, I just raised my hand and I said yes to the opportunity. And I, you know, I have a, a podcast myself, it's called The Answer is Yes. And that's really what stimulated that show was saying yes to opportunities, believing in myself that I could do the job. And that carried me into a very successful career, 10 year career at Kettle One, ultimately becoming the vice president of marketing for the entire country and our efforts in Canada at the time. It was very exciting for me. I enjoyed the company and their philosophies. And I carried through to that some of the things that I'd learned at in and out as well as a ski resort. So as an entrepreneur, as a marketer, don't be afraid to say yes, because you never know what it's gonna turn into. Uh, I, you know, I was very fortunate at Kettle One to have a successful career, and they sold to a company called Diageo. About the same time I was being courted by a family down in Mexico that owned a distillery making tequila. They had just uh, finished a partnership, a long-term partnership with Sandy Hagar making Cabo Wabo tequila, and since he had sold, they were sitting there dormant. He said, hey, Jim, you like Mexico. Uh, we see that you race off road cars professionally down here and you're marketing yourself and uh, you're in the alcohol business. Would you be interested in bringing your own tequila to the United States? And uh, you know, I've always been very passionate about Mexico. I have been going down there since the mid eighties to surf and then ultimately had a professional racing career, racing off road in events like the Baja 1000. And uh, so I went down and I met the distillery owners and the families. And I said yes again to uh, the opportunity to bring tequila to the United States. And I created a name, which we called Azunia Tequila, and uh, began importing 
tequila to the U.S. That was back in 2008. Believed in myself, believed in my abilities, believed in the people I'd surrounded myself with. Uh, I will suggest that your network can be a very powerful tool. And again, as an, uh, as an entrepreneurial piece of advice, always do the best you can for others. Build those relationships because you never know when they're going to circle back around. And after I'd left Kettle One because of the sale and I went to start my own brand, it was time to raise some capital for my brand. And I was looking to raise $5 million in capital in 2008, 2009. And if you're around and in business at that time, you'll remember that we had a terrible economy, uh, really a recession. Nobody was investing. But because of my network at Kettle One, I was able to raise the $5 million, which ultimately netted out to be $11 million through the years. And I launched my, my business of the Zunia Tequila, which we very quickly ramped up and we were in 43 states. Uh, I marketed it just like I did at Kettle One or the things that we did at Kettle One. It was all about the brand story, the brand history, the quality of the product, what was in the bottle, not just the outside of the bottle, it just wasn't a pretty item. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we really did a lot of hand selling. And I think if I were to give some advice as to building businesses in this day and age, not only does it have a lot to do with your story, but also really just getting out there and hitting the pavement. Being in the marketplace, selling your products, hand selling your products, I should say, and uh, making it known of what you're doing because you're not gonna get it done uh, behind your desk or you know in your car. You really need to be out interacting. I realize that during COVID that's a little bit challenging, but there's other ways to make yourself relevant and in the public. A very successful career, uh, with the Zunia, I wound up taking an exit strategy back in 2017. I uh, kept some ownership over there. I'm excited about where that brand's going. They're with a great partner called Eastside Distilling. They've got other products there, great bourbons and the like. And uh, I'm just very proud of that experience in my life. I parlayed that into kind of a semi-retirement by launching a beer and wine import from Mexico because I still have my love for Mexico. And it's called Baja United Wines. And what we do is we import wine from the Valle de Guadalupe. Uh, we built it out as a marketing company to support our efforts. Really, it's a direct consumer business. And uh, the give back on that, and this is something that I'm passionate about, is that we donate back a percentage of all of our sales to the orphanages of Baja. So uh, especially, again, during a time like COVID, for us to be able to support uh, families down there, orphans down there in need, very proud of that project. And that's going strong. Our beer is doing great, our wines are doing great. And uh, it's allowed me to do other things like podcasting, as well as life coaching, business consulting, and, um, and helping others. So, uh, you know, in a nutshell, that's, that's my background and story. I know you asked for it, and that's about as yeah, quick as no, I can I, do it. I totally love it. One of the things that I pulled out, kind of absorbing this, is how much of your core values transcended throughout everything you've done that you learned at such a young age. And it sounds like that even working through those, I'm, there's always learning lessons, there's always bumps, but it sounded like to me from a lot of that growth and that momentum that you built up came from having those core values in place that have really drove, no matter what industry or business you were in, kind of like that really propelled you forward a lot further than what other people might have in the same situation. Yeah, you know, I was very fortunate to be at in and out that had strong core values that really they pounded away into our heads. And what's interesting is my grandfather was a very successful business person. He owned a meat market for 30 plus years. Uh, and he had started the restaurants after he had sold his meat market. But you know, one of the things he talks about is working hard, 
Uh, my grandfather's also, he's 95 years old. And I remember as a kid, he'd always say, hey, your hands should always be moving. You should always be doing something. There, if, you have, you know, the old, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. Yeah. Well, he meant that. There was, there was no joke. If you were leaning, he's going to be on you. And I, and I learned the value of working hard and, and putting in a solid day's work. You know, uh, we live in this day and age of the cell phones. Mine's pretty beat up. Uh, but, you know, we got our heads dug into these things. Well, that's not working hard. You know, working hard is making and stimulating the progress of the business. Now, it's not to say that that can't be a tool, by the way, but uh, so often I see people in restaurants or businesses, they're kind of double doing, you know, looking at their phone and checking me out at the register. It's like, I got your employer wants you to be on your phone. And I, and I would say to the younger audiences, a core value that you can integrate that will never uh, harm the value of what you're adding is just working hard. Um, the other thing is integrity. That's been with me the whole time. My grandfather taught me about integrity. They talked about it at Kettle One. And I knew uh, when I started my own tequila company that integrity would be an important aspect. And it's easy to say that you have integrity, but putting those values into your company is an entirely different thing. Making decisions for your company that might cost you money, but you're focused on the integrity of the deal. That's when it becomes really hard. However, by having that integrity and allowing others to see that, that either work for you, around you, extending out to your family, that carries through your business and who you are. And that's what creates sustainability, right? Um, saying no. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially starting out inside business. Um, I mean, we've all been at that spot where we've had to scrap a little bit towards, you know, they say hustle or grind or those words that really don't promote the idea of working smarter and harder together, just kind of picking one or the other, the power of saying no, even when there's opportunity at your door, because it doesn't align with who you are and what you're looking to do is so powerful. And it starts to attract more from what I found the right types of people around you. And it really pushes away the ones that you know aren't going to serve who you are and you can't really serve them to the best of your ability. Uh, Ed Milet says it perfectly that life happens for us, not to us. And that I feel really transcends within the business life cycle as well with clients, with the journey that you're on and leveraging those core values to keep you on that path. Well, I think we have to remember that people are always listening and watching whether you're doing business with them today, maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's an employee that's working for you today, owns a company in 10 years from now that you have to do business with. So by having integrity today, will set yourself up for that success. Now, it might be at the expense of a short-term dollar, but I'd much rather have the integrity and the relationship with people than not. Uh, it's interesting because I'm doing some consulting in the cannabis business, and if anybody's familiar with that business, they've gone from black market to white market being legal, uh, and there's a lot of gray in between, and there's a lot of operators in the gray. And it's not to say that a bunch of people are doing that, but the quicker you can be operating in the white and having the integrity of the new rules and systems that are in place, not only will you have sustainability, but you'll also have the reputation of somebody that's upholding the structure for the long term, right? And eventually, by not having integrity, that's going to catch up to you. So it's you know, the cannabis business right now is really a good testament or a test of the integrity that you have in your business structures. Wow. That's so good. What an amazing insight. Thank you for that. Um, you know, you're talking about business consulting and that you're truly loving to give back to this community. 
because it really is the next generation of what's going to start to thrive at the local level, which is really where we start to see a lot of change. So what are some of the key things that you've learned over the last three to six months, or what are some of those trends that you've seen play out during this uncertain time towards the end of 2020, moving through and into 2021? What are some of those things that people should really focus on moving through their life or moving through their business that are really going to help accelerate them in the next six, 12, 18 months? Yeah, uh, it's a really good question. And you know, I'm the type of person that I run pretty high risk. Uh, I'm risk adverse. I race off road professionally, which every time we're in the car, you put your life on the line. Literally. Uh, I've won the ball a thousand, three times in different classes and I've run at a top level. So what that's, what's that's done for me is I treat everything that I do like an off road race. And if you don't know anything about it, as an example, we race point to point. So we leave Ensenada, Mexico, we race all the, all the way to Cabo San Lucas, which is a thousand miles of desert in between with not many souls. And if you break down, you fix it on your own and you keep going and you keep going because you don't know what's happening to the next guy. So I treat my business that way. And what I mean by that is I set my goals and my standards for the business and I work towards achieving that goal regardless of what gets in my way. And by the way, we all had a big one come in March with COVID and everything else that came with that, you know, from uh, people out of work and slow down of productions across the board. I approached COVID with passion and vigor and excitement for the opportunities that would come out of it. And I, you know, not seeing this from a, a braggadocious way again, I have had more success in the last six months because of my approach than I've had in years. Uh, I'm coming out of COVID and I truly believe that we're going to get out of this thing pretty soon. I'm coming out of it stronger and better because of my patience and my positive attitude about working through this pandemic and finding solutions for my own business models. And so what I would see in terms of future or forward-looking advice to people is run with your blinders on. If you have, if you have your business plan and you're passionate about what you're doing and you believe in that plan, or that widget that you're making, or that service that you're offering, put your blinders on, do the best you can, and you will come out of this thing ahead. You know, a lot of people, we got into into the pandemic, and businesses started shutting down marketing and slowing all all the machines down, which I understand and want to respect. But at the same time, like what I found, marketing rates got cheaper. I could advertise cheaply, cheaply on social media and traditional ads. And I kept my voice out there. I kept my clients' voices out there. I wanted to encourage them. I said, don't be silent during this. Let people know who you are and what you're doing. Because maybe you're supporting people. Maybe the brand's doing goodwill around the country. Or maybe you're just sending a message of positivity. But don't be silent, right? And leverage this time to get take advantage of better rates. Push through it. And when you come out of this, you're going to be ahead. You've already got your marketing schedules going. Maybe you bought low and you're going to you know, take advantage of that. So... You know, don't let anything slow down your vision and your passion for the project. Push through it, treat it like that Baja 1000 and believe in yourself. That's awesome. I love it. And we were talking uh, with my audience in regards to that about when this first started to hit, you know, mid-March in the United States and really moved through the spring, summer, and now we're into early fall. One of the biggest things we said is now is the time because all these big brands we're starting to pull back on marketing, like you were saying. And then there was a huge upset in June and July 
around the social issues that were surrounding some of these bigger companies and their role and how they engage with social media. And what we found was that, you know, not only what during a time of recession do businesses already typically pull back on some of those extra expenditures as they view them and not investments, but they also pulled back on the cost because brands like Coca-Cola, uh, Eddie Bauer, North Face, Nike, they all started to pull out of their social media ads, getting it to a cheaper cost for everybody too. So it was just the left-right combo that really allowed for that extra spacing. And the conversations that we were having with our community around us were um, you know, really around the fact of the same line, that everybody else is being quiet around their business and what it's doing. And those that are keeping out there, keeping in front of them and keeping that conversation going really has panned out and they're a lot further ahead. We've seen it firsthand on us and I'm glad to hear that it's happened that way for a lot of what you're working on too. Yeah. It, it's you know, good. I, want, I want to touch on something real quick and that's the authenticity of your brand. Being authentic. It's another one of my core values that's played true and true for me. I've always loved Mexico. I've never had a distaste for it and I've always been passionate about what happens down there. And that's who I am authentically, right? And a lot of my messaging has been built around how I feel around other people and supportive of uh, different cultures and stuff like that. I don't think that as companies, we should use uh, what's current in the news uh, to change what our philosophies are. I think that people can, they sniff that out. It's, it doesn't taste good. It doesn't sound good or feel good. So if you're a company and you're, and you're looking at what's happening around you, be as authentic as possible. Uh, show us what your true beliefs are and what your belief systems are, but don't follow the crowd or the trends just to follow them to appease a, a, a customer or a base of people. Because uh, again, I think we sniff that out and it doesn't smell good usually. So I would say authenticity is extremely important, especially during uh, the era that we live in when there's so many comments out there about how people believe and feel. 100%. Jim, thank you so much for your time today. Where is my audience able to find you? How can they engage with your content? Yeah, I would love for people to visit me on livelifedriven.com. You can catch my podcast on there. I've got a lot of great people on there. David Meltzer, Sean Whalen. Hopefully wow. get Eddie Frisella on there one day. Sugar Ray Leonard was on there last month. So catch me at livelifedriven.com. I've got my blog. I've got my podcast, my consulting, my life coaching. Uh, if you're on Instagram, I'm very uh, active on Jim Riley, R-I-L-E-Y, racing, Jim Riley racing, as well as Spartan Strong at 50. I'm a competitive Spartan racer. You can catch my athletic uh, activities on there. And uh, Alex, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the invite. Uh, if I can be of help to anybody, I've learned later in life, life being a service to others, not only benefits them, but it benefits me and my knowledge. And I love getting involved with people. So please. Don't be afraid to hit me up on any of my social media channels. I love it. Thank you so much. And we'll put all those links down below in the description for you. And so that way you can get a hold with Jim. Jim, thank you so much. I'm super grateful for the opportunity and really, really thankful that we had this time together. My pleasure. Over and out from Montana. <laughs> hey.